Ladies and gentlemen, I am turned off of two Arizona green teas right now. It is around 3.23 p.m. here on a beautiful Friday afternoon in beautiful Gilbert, Arizona. We are here with John Evans, who has the voice so silky smooth it can serenade even a wizard, even a sorcerer. And he rocks the mic, but also he rocks the mats. And we are here with Danny O'Donnell, the baby-faced assassin who looks roughly 17 years old, but is actually 31. And yours truly, Jake Watson, who doesn't actually sound like that. But ladies and gentlemen, you can use our discount code uh, OpenGarCast25 for electric performance if you want to get thick, mean, lean, and swole. Uh, quite similar to uh, our guest today, John Evans, who uh, is also known as BJJ Breakdown, which I'll have questions about as well. But thanks so much for coming on, man. We've been looking forward to having you on for a while. Oh, thank you. It's fucking pleasure. It's awesome. I'm already with the expletives. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> worst guest ever. <laughs> no, it's okay. We had a we. Well, actually, there's no such thing as a worst guest ever. There's only more flavorful, colorful guests. Yeah, uh, for instance, we've had Andrew Wiltsy on twice now, and that man is vulgar. And you know what, dude? We love it. We don't mind. We are genuine. Uh, feel free to explore your expletive, eloquent vocabulary. <laughs> At your leisure. Perfect. Yeah. Feel right at home. All right. Next. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's uh, welcome back to another episode of the Open Guardcast, everybody. Um, we have some questions here for John Evans, and uh, he said before the show he has questions for us. So if he wants to intrude, uh, you know what, Danny? Why don't we do something different? Why don't we open up the door to him first? Yeah, All I right. like this. Yeah, that, I like this. Let's do just it. Come in. Just <laughs> kick the door down. Take over. Welcome to our um, house. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's weird because I guess I'm a broadcaster that I'm coming in and just taking over your show. But <laughs> <laughs> but I totally like like what we were talking about right before we went live. Um, I feel like because you guys run the show and you run a great show uh, and you have really interesting guests on like the listeners don't really get to hear a ton about you guys so mm-hmm. often. So uh, I figured I have questions personally that I would like answered and probably the viewers also would like to hear as well. So um, one thing I was asking about is uh, what I learned in the Andre Galvao interview was that um, you, Jake, have become recently religious. It's Mm -hmm. not something that you've that has just always been with you. Right. Like this is something that you've started within the last two years or so. Yeah. Um, So what what would get someone like you who is young you're 22 you said um and has a lot going for them like what would get someone like you into that in the first place well i'm not sure like from how to tell someone else or like how to give people advice on how to get into it for me it was a very very personal and like jarring experience so i was going to church with my mother who uh came into my life at a very young age um i was uh, in a situation where for a period of time we were essentially homeless in Colorado. We moved to Arizona. I moved in with my aunt and uncle and my dad worked at this rock. He was a, he's a truck driver. He delivers decorative rock and he went to this truck yard and who's the lady at the front desk, my would be stepmother. So my stepmom, uh, has been a very godly woman, very focused on Jesus for, uh, her whole, I, I don't know about her whole life, but for a very long time. And she, showed me unconditional love from the very beginning. Like this woman who before, I mean, we're talking two months before she met me, she was a woman I'd never met. And now she is filling the role of my mom in my life completely and fully. And so I really stuck with me. I didn't have abandonment issues because I it was filled. 
And then later on in my life, she was just always extending the offer to me, just, hey, you want to go to church? Oh, okay, no worries. And I would never want to go because to me, you know, I just didn't understand it. I was like, I don't want to go sit and talk about something I don't understand for an hour. But then one day, it was the week after Easter, I had already been thinking about getting baptized because slowly but surely I was starting to think about God more. And I was starting to think about like my place in the universe. And I was starting to think about if there was a big plan for me. I started actually praying and like looking up stuff about the Bible. But I never read the Bible. I never actually picked up the book. I was too scared. Um, but then in church the week after, it was actually a very surreal and what I believe to be spiritual experience. I, I felt uh, the, what I would later come to understand was uh, the Holy Spirit come over me and actually compel me to want to go get baptized. The pastor uh, did this big, long, complicated sermon uh, basically I didn't understand a thing he said. And I was like, man, I'm usually with it, but I don't get it. And then at the end, have you ever seen Memento, by the way? This is kind of a, uh, this is going to help you understand. Great movie. So Memento, none of it made sense, right? You're like, dude, what is going on? But at the very end, you're like, what? That's it? That's the whole movie? Oh my gosh, I understand it. That was what the sermon was like for me. As soon as he said, and that's what baptism is. And then it, the whole sermon was just different metaphors, different stories, all relating to the significance of baptism. And I immediately felt like I started to sweat and I started to feel like a little nervous. Like I felt like a big, like, like I'm about to do something really important in my life, but I don't know what it is. And then he said, if you want to get baptized, you can go in the back and we'll, and we'll get that set up. And I was like, I need to go do that. And prior to that, what's funny is I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to get baptized. Like they were, cause they were talking about it at the beginning of the sermon too, like happy Easter. And I was like, I'm not going to get baptized. I'm going to wait and invite people. And I ended up getting baptized that very day. And ever since then, it's just been like a very slow realization process. Like at first I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a great person now. But that's not the case, right? It doesn't just happen. You know what I mean? It's it's just like a reminder daily that you are improving. And you really are uh, a new creation whenever you give your life to something as important as that in my, in my view. Um, but yeah, that's my story. It was April 28th, 2019. That's like the very real experience I had with uh with god in a church uh that i wasn't attending for him i was attending for my mom but then it became for him after that day you know what i mean and andre gonval like the interview that you were talking about uh man i feel like i'm hogging the mic but i really appreciate no, this no, question good. Yeah. um andre gonval is like i was telling danny because uh it was just so funny like Danny and I have conversations like this all the time, right? But I never like try to push it because I don't want to. And Andre Gunvan doesn't do that either. I used to be so like pro, like prolific and so out there with like spread the gospel, love Jesus, like everything I do. And it was because it excited me. But then he said, you should try to find opportunities. Like if people present you with an opportunity to spread it, you should tell them. You know what I mean? But don't like be like people are turned off by blah you know it'd be like if someone told you you need to watch this tv show all the time you would never want to watch a tv show because the, okay i get it you like the tv show but i don't want to watch it now because you're annoying right <laughs> sure <laughs> you don't want to be annoying with the gospel you want to be opportunative it's like meant to be a medicine you you people who are curious about it you give the medicine to them you don't just hand medicine to people who aren't sick like you know what i mean like it's it's, it wouldn't make sense that way. Um, and Andre was really, uh, he was really, really insightful. And it, I learned a whole bunch from him in that episode. Oh, that's awesome. So it, you said that you were homeless for a while too, and you were living in Denver or uh, Colorado? Yes, I was in uh, Denver, Colorado, or I think it was Thornton, but it was Denver, Colorado. My, uh, my dad and my biological mom, uh, they separated and my dad got full custody of me and my, and my older brother, Ed, um, 
And, you know, my dad is such a such a superhero, man. He he would he would we had a trailer that had no power in it. It had a generator that powered a small TV that I would play Super Smash Bros. Melee on. And there was no school. It was like the middle of the middle of the winter. We didn't have a heater. So my dad would take off both pair. He only had like four pairs of socks. He would take off both socks and give me and Ed both two pairs of socks, the blanket and the bed in this trailer. And he would sleep on the floor. And he would take us to school and he would go and work all day and come home late at night. And we had very, very little for like, I don't know, almost half a year. And that's just how we lived. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the whole dynamic between I haven't seen my mom in five months. I don't know why. I I, I believe it was God protecting me from that and ma- realizing that I was set up for better things in the future. But uh, and that, that took a long time for me to realize that. And a lot of like, you know, issues of like separation and stuff like that came from it. Um, where I felt like, you know, even in relationships with other women, it was, it was very like, oh, they're going to leave. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Um, but my dad, man, he, he has, he has worked so hard for his whole life and he works, he works hard. You know, he's not, he does not necessarily a believer in, in, in God like I am, but he works hard because he knows it's good to work hard. And that's what he taught me. And, uh, I thank him every day for that. It's like, I realized after a while of being an adult, uh, after, after a while. And now that I am an adult, I should say, um, man, he did like, I, I don't even remember everything he did, but he would, he told me he would, he would be like crying when he dropped us off at school. Cause he didn't know if he was going to make enough money to pay for us. And makes me, makes me want to be a dad because I can't imagine loving someone that much. And I want to experience that. Uh, but man, my dad is, uh, my dad, if you listen to this episode, just know, I think you're like the coolest human being ever even though we've argued about stuff and whatever, but I think my dad is a freaking superhero, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. And how old, uh, how old were you when all this was happening? Shoot. Ah, uh, man, five, four or five. Oh, wow. Yeah. How long were you in? Years. Or no. Yeah, no, four or five. And then I moved to Arizona. When I was six. Oh, okay. So you were to Colorado only... for like two years. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Interesting. I see like sometimes like um, if you do a fight to win, Seth will be coaching you out there, the <laughs> owner of fight. To- I wasn't sure if maybe you knew him from back when you were there, but that was so long ago. Yeah, no, no. Seth is just cool enough to coach whoever needs a coach. Uh, yeah. And he's he's a, a good enough coach to fill in like he's a good like he doesn't know nothing about me or what I like. He's just good at knowing his own rules and like kind of trolling. <laughs> like when I fought Ronaldo, he was saying, yeah, nice grips, bro, to Ronaldo and Ronaldo started laughing and so did I. <laughs> so we had like that little friendly moment. But. Seth is yeah. Seth is cool. He's a cool dude. He's real. <laughs> yeah, he, he is a cool dude. I like that guy. Um, oh, that's awesome. Crazy. Um, and since you've just been in Arizona ever since, right? Yeah, for the past, I don't know, how old was I when I moved here? Six? Past 14? No, 17, 16 years? I don't know. I, do math. I don't do math well. <laughs> math is hard. Math is a hard thing. If Raph is listening to this, he's going to think I'm an idiot. <laughs> Uh, and then I said one more question for Jake, and I was going to ask Danny something, if that's okay. Yeah, for sure. This is my show now. Oh, you're good. You're Amazing. good. You can ask Danny um, a question as long as you answer this next question right, John. How old is Danny O'Donnell? You said it in the intro. Yeah, you said it in the intro. How old is he? You didn't even 31. pay attention. Ah, dang. You got it. <laughs> the intro. All right, cool. You're good to ask a question. Uh, yeah, anyway. because I was like, wait, yeah, no way he's 31. <laughs> like, he's like jarred by that. I saw your eyebrows raised. Right? could be like your little brother or something. You know? yeah. <laughs> Everybody thinks I'm older. Everybody thinks I'm like 27. Yeah, and everyone. Like uh, 21 and Jake's 28. <laughs> yeah. Baby face. That, that smooth skin, you know? It <laughs> doesn't happen to a 31-year-old. Um, so you're at uh, Maricaba, right? Yes. 
And you are like one of the only high level competitors out of there, correct? And I never really hear other than uh, in the context of it's a good school to be at if you're in Arizona, like people like the school. Um, what made you choose that gym and why do you stay there? And how do you get such good results being one of the only competitive people from there? So I also want to say that uh, we have a we have a lot of Masters competitors, right? We have um, a, a very successful Masters team. We've gone to Masters Worlds and like one time a, a grand majority of our competitors meddled. Uh, oh. Cade Roke is a purple belt from our gym who is basically my main adult training partner. Uh, and he's great. He's, he's, the cool thing is we can build off of each other. And, uh, I believe that the reason I'm with Andre is Andre, again, I was, uh, I mean, I met him when I was 12 years old. Uh, initially I had moved to Arizona. I trained with Clayton Carpenter, uh, shout out to Clayton. He just won his, uh, his debut in LFA. Uh, he, he took the MMA route and I, I was going to be, I think you know this and I've alluded to this on the show before that I was an MMA fighter. And then I took that and I said, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do jujitsu. Clayton stayed on MMA. Uh, when I was 12, Andre moved from Kansas to Arizona and taught at, uh, Ken, what was Ken Shamrock's lion's den in Scottsdale. Right. That's where we trained. But then can, uh, something happened. It became the den. Then it became fight ready later. I don't know. But uh, it was a weird, you know, passing around. Uh, Wait, is, was that where the original lion's den was? I Scottsdale? don't even know. Maybe okay. well, uh, one one time. I'll tell you a story after the show. But because uh, it's not appropriate. <laughs> but because uh, it was it had to do with me looking up lionsden.com and realizing that it was lionsdenaz.com and lionsden.com <laughs> is a. Uh, an inappropriate website uh so moving on i uh <laughs> i was nice. so scared i was like 12 i'm like dude dad what is this why is lion's Dead's website like this but uh <laughs> i um andre came into the school and actually in the first week i did not like andre in the first week i hated andre because before that uh i had coach carlos farias was my was my coach ultra heavyweight masters one yeah yeah and uh, and he uh, was very like very easygoing coach would let pe- kids play around and stuff like that. But Andre was really strict, like like he like I did push ups like Andre made me do push ups and I was like, you know like kids class stuff and I was like I hate this guy I can't mess around in class that's stupid basically. And then uh, my parents actually have been so supportive of me for so long. I was doing private lessons with Andre and Clayton like three times a week, and. Uh, after a while I just, I grew and he became a father figure to me and I just kept on, I never thought about leaving the school. I never really thought about going training anywhere else because I developed a really close connection with Andre and with Clayton and with everybody that would come into the school. Some of these people I've literally have known me at our school, have known me and trained with me since I was 12. And, um, I feel like one thing that's worked for me as far as my results and my improvement being at the same place is I don't think that you need necessarily – I don't believe in in the rhetoric that you need to be coached by a world champion to be a world champion. Uh, I don't believe that you need to – that you need to train with world champions to be a world champion. Um, and here's why. Because I have – first of all, me, myself, I uh, do a lot of time studying, a lot of time drilling – uh, and I do believe that drilling when done effectively and not, you know, the same uh, 
ridiculous motions over and over. Like Kit Dale has a point, right? He has a point that drilling can become mundane, but if you do it right and you do it with different variables and different ways you can approach a situation, it's going to be good. It's just like rolling. It's just controlled to where you can do it over and over and over and present yourself with the same situation. So that being said, I've done a lot of that. And Andre is a psychopath. So what I mean by that, I mean that in the most endearing way possible. He literally takes the statistics of every major like world's pans and sometimes he does euros if if he's able to if he has time he'll do the statistics of like every submission hit like why they happen the situations and he'll develop like us the the adult team to be able to approach those situations and introduce drills that we can do and and like techniques that we can think about additions to our game that can combat those situations and turn the tide in our favor um, notice that I've been using collar and sleeve a lot more lately. I realized that there's a variation of collar and sleeve I really like that mitigates a lot of the problems I had passing uh, with people passing me. Hmm. So I have a combination of an incredible leader who is basically John Danaher that no one knows about. Like really that's – people give John Danaher a lot of credit, and it's true. You should because he's a visionary. But Andre's like – I've, I've said this before. Andre is like jujitsu's hidden gem. Like no one knows about him. But they, uh, but like, if they did, he'd be famous for how like absolutely genius he is when it comes to game planning. Um, yeah, local tournaments. Sorry to jump in, but you'll see him like running around with his notepad and his pen, like for every single competitor, and he just has really? like a list of notes for everyone to coach it's him. Insane. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's, insane. it's inspiring. He uh, and on top of that, man. Like, look at Hodger Gracie was able to transition into coaching his own academy, training only with blue belts, still winning world titles. You know what I mean? I think that, uh, oh, man, a big point. You build each other up as well when you're when you're a family and you're in a gym for a very long period of time. Like, Cade, there was a time where I could beat Cade, you know, with, with my eyes closed. But now, if I mess up, the kid's going to take my back. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the, the, the level he's gotten to. So... He gets better. It makes me better. And then I have other people. And yeah, I do train with primarily masters competitors, like people above the age of 30, above the age of 35 even. But these guys, like, I don't know what it is. There's a guy named John Pfeiffer at our gym. The guy's nuts. The guy literally <laughs> fantasizes about drilling his knee through my chest and, uh, <laughs> and on belly and just driving. He's, he calls it stapling my soul to the mat. Um, which is really funny, but the guy, like we have a lot of really, really intense and active people who are consistent and, um, it's a really helpful environment. So I think that that's the key to my success. It's not just a win for me. Like the whole gym is winning. You know what I mean? You don't see Madakaba BJJ at black belt other than me because I mean, I'm the product of a village, you know what I mean? So it's a win for me is a win for my gym. And sometimes it's a win for Arizona, depending on the tournament. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's a great gym, <laughs> but uh, sure. no, that's awesome. I I had no idea. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think a lot of people felt feel this a similar way, especially like after before Unity got like established. I think people feel felt that way about um, Murillo Santana too. Mm -hmm. Like he's just this hidden gem. He's a mastermind. Yeah. People that knew him knew how good he was, but not you know until like. Uh, the Miel brothers and Levi and you know his entire team, which is just full of killers, before yeah. they were there and started doing very well. Um, I don't think people realized globally how like what a mastermind he is. So it sounds yeah. like it's something similar, like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's super interesting. Huh. Um, I love hearing about stuff like that because there are so many good black belts out there that either don't compete or 
they've had mixed results or they have a gym and they're focused on teaching, but they don't have anybody great coming out of their gym yet that mm-hmm. are just incredible and nobody knows about them. And it's yeah. so interesting to hear one of those stories because, yeah. um, you know, there's tons of them out there, but you just don't always hear about them. Yeah. And I, and I'm lucky that I get to coach too. Like I'm actually like a, I'm an assistant instructor at the gym. It's me and Andre run the gym and there's no other assistant coaches other than me and Andre. So I get to coach uh, the kids team and I get to coach, uh, other classes a week. I, I run the fundamentals program too. So it's, uh, well, Andre, Andre and I, I'm, I'm an assistant instructor, but I teach the classes of the fundamentals program. I don't want to take like the mantle or say that I'm the fundamentals coach yet because I don't feel like I am. I feel like I'm learning how to be, um, but yeah, it's it's a he's providing me. Andre really is like, like an uncle. Like he has been providing me my whole ability to. I mean, largely I'm able to move out because of the opportunities he has presented to me, man. So like, again, I'm I'm. It's a it's a village. And what's his lineage? Where did he, he get his black belt from? He got his black belt from Hedges Labrie. Hmm. So the, his Chris Humaita. Yes. You know, you know, uh, he's in uh, San Diego, right? Yes, he is. He is yes, Tyler Bishop San... used to be with him up until mm-hmm. recently. Yes. Yeah, he's very good practitioner. That guy, that guy is a tight passer. Uh, grappling with him is uh, not very fun if you let him get to half guard. <laughs> is not fun at all. You know, the grab like you're having fun and then all of a sudden you're not. That's him. <laughs> all of a sudden you don't enjoy jujitsu anymore. That's mm. Hedges when he gets oh. you in half guard. It's just very, very tight pressure. Huh. Interesting. Um, and then Danny, so you recently, recently, uh, when the gym started, moved over to uh, Andre, uh, Marcio Andre's gym. Yes. Yep. And, and where did you come from before that? And how do you like Marcio Andre's gym since you've been there for a while? Yeah. So his gym has been open for about a year now. And I started um, actually in college training with a Hobson Moore affiliate. So through Hobson, I met Gustavo Dantes. Um, through a lot of different events, I ended up moving out to Arizona about six years ago, training at Gustavo's Academy, and then I where, think it was. Where were you before that? Um, I was training at a couple different gyms in uh, the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah, so I met Gustavo, did like a private lesson with him, just thought he was just like such an amazing guy and a great teacher. Um, so he invited me to come out and train. I went out there for a week, and then I ended up just loving it. So I ended up moving out to Arizona, training at Gustavo's, and he then. Does it. I, yeah, because of jiu-jitsu. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was I was in a kind of a weird job, too, where it was like a two-year program, and it was like a rotational type thing. Um, there's some companies that offer that, like a management training type program. So that was over. So it was just kind of a good time to make a change. And I just really kind of wanted to get out of Chicago. I had like a crazy commute and stuff. So I ended, yeah, ended up moving out to Arizona, um, training with Gustavo. And then I think it was... I want to say it was early 2017 when Marcio started teaching at Gustavo's because he was teaching in Abu Dhabi before that. I think for about two years he was in Abu Dhabi. Um, Gustavo offered him a teaching position. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was beginning of 2017. It was right after the ACB Gi tournament where he fought like Edwin Najmi, AJ Souza, Davi Hamos. He came to Arizona like directly from that tournament. So he started taking over a bunch of the advanced Gi classes and then he was there for about two and a half years, and then he just ended up opening his own academy, August 2019. So, a little little over a year. But yeah, Crazy. training with Marcio is incredible. <laughs> I think uh, the the cool thing about it is that he takes like a really different approach from other people in his weight class. 
So like you don't see him playing like a ton of the like obviously he can do all the double guard and Baron Below stuff, but he prefers to pass and his passing is like really incredible and yeah, he's just a really good teacher. I mean he's like Andre in the sense that like he really gives every student a lot of individual attention. So I, I feel like that's pretty pretty rare and pretty tough too when you have like a lot of competitors or just a lot of students in general. And does he have a lot of students there now or Yeah, so he does. Um, we were getting a ton of new students right before the quarantine. And then obviously that kind of, you know, probably set most schools back at least a little bit. But we yeah, actually... Yeah. Are Arizona you guys still on lockdown? No, we're not. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, we're able to train now. And we actually do have quite a, quite a few new students coming in almost every day, which is pretty oh, surprising. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's similar at Marcabas or at your academy, but... Um, that, that's something that's continues to surprise me when like new people walk in almost every day. Oh, LA's still in lockdown right now. Oh, but, okay. But like okay. Orange County is open, so it's bizarre. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. It's like the, Arizona's kind of a work in progress as far as the uh, whole lockdown situation goes since it's, it was so back and forth over here, dude. Like I know, um, me and you messaged over Instagram about it and it was like, oh, we're good. Oh, we're bad. Oh, we're better. <laughs> Doug yeah. Ducey, hello. Not you know, anymore. like, <laughs> what know. do we do? <laughs> um, I know. This whole thing's been so crazy. Yeah. It's been a little screwy. Um, I also noticed you've been a uh, you. You took the foot off the gas with the curse words. I just said screwy, but uh, I was gonna say I was gonna say that I wasn't gonna say the f word, <laughs> mom. No, of course not. <laughs> nice. We, um, I was about to say. Are we, I was like, I wonder if he has another question. No, uh, I, I was just going to say, um, because for Danny and maybe both of you can can um, talk about this, like uh, the the level in Arizona has come up quite a bit in the last even just five years or so. It's, yeah. It seems pretty nuts. Like, do you guys notice that when you go to tournaments? And what do you what do you attribute that to? Do you, is it the new gyms coming in? Is it just more people um practicing or do you it has it kind of seemed the same to you because you're just there throughout all of it you know i think i think it's it's probably a combination because um tanquino's been here for a while andre's been here and jake's been here for a while so we've always had like really good competitors at all the local tournaments but then recently caixinho moved here marcio's been here a couple of years karen antunis moved here with her husband um what are some of the other good gyms jake there's so there's so many it's and they're all like within 25 minutes so it's, yeah it's pretty close mm-hmm. yeah I, I i pretty much mirror danny i mean what we we had kevin carrasco on the show um he's arizona yeah, he's, based he's yeah. not arizona like born but he's arizona based now yeah. and he trains at he aries trained, and Kishino, yeah i think yeah. Kishino had a good i think Kishino had a like that was a big addition um and i think he took over autos west phoenix right he basically took over that yeah. gym, and now mm-hmm. it's his program. It used to be an Autos um, affiliate. It was yeah. an, an Autos affiliate. Now it's Cachino's gym. Mm. Uh, I Carlos think Farias th- has had some good competitors, too. Yeah, Carlos Farias. I, I think the other thing, too, about Arizona is, like, um, the w- Brazilians like the weather here, and it's, it's cheaper than, like, California or New York. And, oh, so much um, cheaper. Oh, my God. Yes. So I feel like that <laughs> just the lifestyle kind of brings brings people here a little bit, too. But, yeah, mm. it's definitely, like, I think it's a scene that people don't really know too much about um really yeah yeah but it's really really good when i went out there to commentate i think it was a fight to win um and it was one that uh, because mckenzie dern and you know her dad are out there oh yeah megaton too yeah yeah Yeah. um and i think she was fighting i don't crazy is it only one month away 
uh yeah it's one month month away oh my god that's nuts um right. yeah and then i think the Abu Dhabi world pro too is like november or something didn't they yeah yeah mm-hmm. they announced they're, they're doing, doing that? A, they're doing a trials at the end of this month or uh Are they're they? not a trials but like it's uh so weird like a world pro event um I in miami go. Yeah. I want to go in Miami. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Miami seems to be the hub. They're like, eh, we just yeah. let anything happen down here. It's yeah. Like, we don't care. <laughs> bring it. Yeah. I mean, they opened Disney world. So it's like, just, who cares? It's Florida. <laughs> they opened up Disney world. <laughs> they did. It was like, whatever. Like during the height of the pandemic too, is there's like, ah, eh, just bring it. It doesn't matter. It's like, it's Florida. We don't care. I don't know. Somebody's going to, eat somebody's face on bath salts or something. So it's like, Oh, I heard about that. That guy yeah, that oh, yeah. at the start of a zombie apocalypse because the yeah. guy ate a dude's face. Like, dude, he's on bath salts. It's like, you're going to yeah, eat well, a guy's face too. If you're on bath salts. Yeah, but I mean, Florida, you know, it's, yeah. it's part of Florida, dude. Florida, yeah. Florida. That's what I realized. Did I tell you, you were, did I ever tell you my story about Florida, John Evans? Mm-mm. Here's the condensed version. Go into a Peruvian restaurant. Entire family of 13 people starts throwing hands. John Combs gets up. World star takes a video of it. I leave. Uh, prior to that, day before, guy gets hit on a car. Wheel flies off his car, goes past us. I'm hanging out with Tackett and Cody Steele. He has three dogs in the car that are adorable. If those dogs would have died, I would have had that man's head. <laughs> it's, it's Florida. Yeah, that's, that's like a normal Florida trip. Yeah. <laughs> Sucked. The state yeah. is weird. It it is it is. There's a lot of good people there, but there's just a lot of craziness too. So, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's a bizarre <laughs> thing. I, I don't know. And just all the horrible weather. Like, I mean, if you go to like Miami, it's beautiful, right? Like the beaches, uh, it's tropical. It's it's incredible. But then there'll there'll be like tornadoes and you know hurricanes, and it's just yeah. just such a bizarre place. Yeah, I'm not thinking it. So you said you came to Arizona for a fight to win. That must have been like maybe three, four years ago now. Fight to win Pro 12. Fight, okay, fight to win Pro 12. Wow, I was remember it 12? that one. That did was a fight on that one. I did. Yeah, that's why I know. Did you? That yeah, was where, I mean, that was where I came uh, into existence on the flow grappling scene. That was my very first match, I think, on flow grappling. Wow. So I, I probably commentated your first, your first flow grappling match. I think I think you did. I believe oh, you did. Crazy. Yeah, man. And uh, you said that you had, because it was a seven-second footlock. It was that one. It was against wow. uh, okay. Mr. Red Fox. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was, uh, yes. that was yeah, 2016. Wow. Oh, wow. That's like when, that was the first year I started working for Flow. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that must have been the first fight to win I did was shortly after the Worlds, which was the first tournament I ever commentated for Flow. I commentated 2016 Worlds, like, randomly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, yeah, we like what you do. Why don't you just go do, like, the biggest tournament in the world? It's like, <laughs> all right, cool. Easy uh, enough. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> and then they started sending me out to the fight to wins before I'd ever – I had heard of them because they didn't, like, some event in San Diego. So it was close. But they were pretty new. Like uh, the first one I commentated was seven, I think, and it was in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And they flew me out there, and I just didn't know much about it, and I'd never been to one. So like seeing the lights and everything, I was like, "What is happening? <laughs> like this uh, jujitsu can be like this? This is crazy, you know? It's mm-hmm. like the first time that you go to one of those, it's pretty shocking. Yeah. Just there's nothing really that's ever been like that before, so or since really. Um, so it was just I was taken aback, um, and then. The next one that I commentated must have been that Arizona, and I, I probably just drove out there. Um, 
But uh, that's when I first started to see how good the level in Arizona was. Like, man, there. I mean, there's like a Coyotera affiliate out there too, right? That is that yeah. J uh, JP yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, and um, yeah, Gustavo Dantas, of course, has been there for ever since I've been training jujitsu, so mm-hmm. a long, long time. He was like the only game in town out there when I started, though. I think like Him the only Megaton. one that was known. Oh, and yeah. Megaton, yeah, yeah, Megaton's been there that mm-hmm. long. Okay, yep. so yeah, been Megaton. And, um, yeah, and I actually had to go out there and film something with, uh, with McKenzie. And so got to go to Megaton's gym and see all the, you know, the gym where she trains and everything. And it was really interesting. Um, but yeah, there's just so many good places out there. Uh, there's that, um, wrestler. I want to see he's, he's like middle Eastern, uh, Isa. He Isa Abel? Yeah, Isa, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he used to train at Gustavo's, but yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, I trained with him quite a bit. And Super he's good really stand-up. good. Yeah, yep. just a beast, like physically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, strong too. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he's out there. Uh, like you said, uh, Carlos is out there. Carlos Frias, yeah. Yep. Um, man, just so many good people. Yeah. Now Marcio Andre Tanquino went to his gym to film. Had to interview him, and I didn't realize like um, I didn't realize that Sugar Sean is training at his gym as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. And I mean. The, just so many good people like all around that area it's really it was really pretty eye-opening and i feel like in the past couple of years you just hear about it more now not even knowing anything about arizona you see that level and it's just going Mm -hmm. through the roof it's pretty cool to see for sure there's a good mma scene here too with like the lab and like you said sugar sean and um there's just ben henderson's uh, yeah ben henderson at the lab yeah 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 uh, that's where Clayton trains. The guy I mentioned uh, that was took a bit, did a heavy part in my introduction to jiu-jitsu. That's where he trains now. He trains with Sugar Sean and Tim Welch is also down there. Yeah, Tim Welch, who I was yeah. supposed to fight in a fight to in a long time ago. Yeah, and, and he's also at Tankinos. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Nice guy. Uh, I, I, you know what I really liked was I think Ben Henderson. What uh, he did a really cool thing. He would compete in Arizona from like blue, purple, brown. Like he would compete in the local Gustavo tournaments. So I call them Gustavo tournaments. They're the state championships. <laughs> sorry. I call them Gustavo tournaments since I was a kid because they were run by Gustavo Dantes, Danny's yeah. former yeah. coach. And um, and I, I just called them Gustavo tournaments because they were easier for me to remember. But, uh, yeah, he would compete in those local, like, Arizona state championships and the Southwest Classics. And he would put on a gi. And I think he had a toothpick in his mouth even when he was competing. <laughs> Ill-advised. Do not do so it. Ladies, if you're, if you're listening to this right now, do not do that. Do not put a toothpick in your mouth unless it is to pick out food or look cool doing something not athletic. Thank you. It's open guard test. Say. No, Cabrino used to yell at me for for having gum if I would just have gum because I used to get dry mouth, so I I just have it in for drilling. And if I forgot to spit it out, or sometimes even just in drilling, he'd just be like, "You spit that out like it's a choking <laughs> hazard." He was so upset. The I choking hazard. It. Yeah, exactly. Gum, right? Like if you had a toothpick in there, oh, he probably would have just murdered me to get it out of the way. Uh, that's, uh, that's scary. <laughs> Yeah. But Vincent's a beast. I love watching him come up too because he would be at the super high level MMA and then go do like he get he podium at like brown belt worlds in the gi, which is you know he's not training that much in the gi for his fight against like Pettis or you know when he was the champ he was the best yeah. and then he'll just go and do a huge gi tournament like the worlds and medal and it's just I mean that's pretty admirable. Yeah. And he's a cool guy too. He's very, very nice. He's a family Ooh. man. 
Yeah, yeah really, really nice. He's cool. Shocking. He, uh, one time I was like, I think it was like American Nationals. My first American Nationals was a brown belt, and he was there. And uh, I was like, hey, Ben, huge fan. And he was like, hey, huge fan of you. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, dude, jiu is good. You got a good guard. And I was like, like, excuse you, brother. <laughs> you know, yeah, I do not. You do not know me. Like, that's not, that's not real. And it was uh, ever since then, he, like, always come up to me, and he would be really, really nice. So it was really cool that he, like, he also takes the time to, like, look at jujitsu, And he, like, he, he says he likes to, he wants to do more gi, and he wants to, you know, have other super fights. And we fought Edwin Najmi, and uh, that was a that was a tough one. Um, he well. <laughs> got wrapped up in the gi, got wrapped up in them spider guard grips. As, uh, as he uh, put on Twitter, he said he needs to work on those spider guard grips. We want to get him on the show, too. That would be cool. I would like to have yeah. him on the show. And local, too, so easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. I think that's all the questions I had for you guys. <laughs> okay. Well, I was, I was, to, uh, it was weird. It's like, John. It, do, we get the, uh, do we get the torch back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, the cool. show is all yours. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let Danny take a... Take, so, yeah, so I have a question. So, as you know, like when you first logged on, we were talking about your match that you did at the uh, the West Coast Trials. So um, when everyone, everyone thinks about you, they think about like your YouTube channel, your commentary, but you're also like a really good coach and competitor. So do you want to talk a little bit about like how you initially got into like competing in jujitsu yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I set out to do. I, I wanted to ever since I started, I tra- started training about 14 years ago like at the end of this year, it'll be 14 years. And I set up to train as much as possible. And I was never athletic before when I was a kid or in high school. Um, in fact, like the antithesis of an athlete, I was really <laughs> terrible athletically still am not very far from that. But, um, I, my goal was to compete and to be as good as possible. And I, I thought that the real prov- proving grounds is, a tournament, right? You can be super good in the gym, but um, it's kind of hard to know how you stack up unless you go out there and try to test it. So that was always the goal early on. And um, it's uh, turns out with the jujitsu, it's a little bit tough to juggle life and feeding yourself and jujitsu. So uh, over the years, especially like I opened up my own gym, um, you know, had work stuff, family stuff, it just became difficult to do all of those things and compete as much as I wanted to. But for a while there, I was competing maybe like 10 times a year or so. So I, I was fairly active. I really enjoyed competing. I think I just haven't hardly done it at all in the past few years just because I had opened my gym. I was moving a lot. You know, I lived in Japan for a year and um, just it's for me too personally. I'm not one of those natural athletes that can not train super hard for a while, go out and just go compete. Like every time I compete, I have to be in really good shape. Otherwise, if I don't work specifically on my cardio leading up to that, I get ruined. Like I am so exhausted. I'm just worthless. It's terrible. So, um, I know I like everyone's different. I was talking to actually Keenan Cornelius about this when he came out to Korea and I, we were both commentated spider together out there. And he, was saying how he actually lifts weights, at least at that time, more than he does jujitsu. He only does jujitsu like one one time a day uh, at the time. And he said like four to five times a week. 
but he'll actually lift like maybe even six days a week. Um, and I was like, wow, like lifting more than two days a week kind of wrecks my body. But, um, but I, if I don't work on cardio, like I'm worthless in jujitsu and he's like, yeah, I never have to, I just train hard the one time a day that I'm going to train for like four or five times a week. And then that's all I need for cardio. Like I'm good. Like the, then I just lift. And if I train more than that, then it's too tough on my body, but I can lift and be okay. And it was just shocking to me. Like we're like the opposites, right? Like, um, <laughs> like that he's just naturally has good cardio and he'll sit there and needs to work on strength. And I'm not naturally strong, but for my athleticism, I'm, you know, for my weight class, I'm like, okay, strength wise, it's something that I don't have to focus on a ton. Um, and if I do it too much, it kind of ruins me. But if I don't work on cardio, like, oh my God, I'm good for like two minutes and then everyone starts <laughs> kicking my butt and I feel horrible. And if I ever had to have a second match, I would be worthless. So, um, it's just really interesting to see like the different body types and, and how people are different athletically. So, Man, yeah, that's not, that's not a lot of jujitsu. That's a, it's a lot more lifting than I think I'm comfortable with. Yeah. Too. Totally. I, I mean, that's, that was a super rare case. Um, the, like I'd never really heard of anyone as high a level as him that felt that way about it. So it was, it was interesting to hear. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that was interesting that you said too, is like, it's really difficult to balance like all the responsibilities you have off the mat with being able to compete at a high level or own an academy. Um, do you want to talk about some of the challenges you had with that? Cause like, like you had the YouTube channel too. I don't know if you were you know, making any money off of that, but, um, you're putting a lot of time into it. So like, what advice would you have for someone who wants to do jujitsu full time, but they're not sure how they're going to be able to make ends meet? Um, be young, uh, <laughs> because, cause that, that helps a lot, right? You yeah. get you a good head start, you heal better. If you make mistakes, you can, you can, you got time to recoup. So, uh, be young. Um, Train as much as your body will let you, but figure out what works for your body because some people can lift all the time and some people need a lot of cardio work, right, or whatever the case may be. Some people need a lot of technique work. Some people just need to train hard. Whatever the thing is for you, do that and always try to, you know, seek improvement. Um, and I think if you can, uh, be independently wealthy because <laughs> – uh, otherwise, you might find yourself homeless, as a lot of jujitsu practitioners are. It, yeah, I mean, you look at even Arizona's own Heather Raftery, right? Yes. yes. Living in her van for, I mean, now I think she has a place to actually live, but she lived in her van for how long? And she was wicked good. Like, uh, yeah. you know, she's a, a friend of mine and super good jujitsu and a top competitor. I think she even, I want to say she knee barred Michelle Nicolini. Yeah, she did. I yeah, mean, wow. Nogi Wilts. Yeah, sick. She's so good and yeah. so exciting to watch. I, I, I remember um, taking note of her early because commentating. Anytime someone like Jake or her does something that's super exciting, it's just so easy to commentate for that. So then you remember those names, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, I mean, she was homeless. The uh, what's his name that just went over to Legion Connor to D'Angelo. Yep, exactly. He was homeless. Uh, I mean. Just, the, the guy, uh, I'm, I'm not going to start throwing out names because people probably don't <laughs> want me to, to um, yeah, expose yeah, them out some people. But I mean, some of the literally some of the best people I've ever trained with that were even sometimes they had their own gym or 
used to have their own gym and were top in the world homeless, right? Like it's very tough to make money if you don't have a certain strategy or an in already. Um, and I think making sure your finances are taken care of really is a huge part of it, which can be tough. Like if you're working, you know, if you live in LA and you want to, for me personally, being born and raised in LA, um, now I, I think I've started to realize that to live comfortably in LA comfortably without having to like constantly worry about money. I think that your take home money here has to be after taxes about four grand a month, right? Which is not a small amount of money. Now, if you're going to make that kind of money, you either have to have a really good job, right? Um, which you could make more money than that if you have a great job. Fantastic. But usually that's a big time commitment too. Like what you're going to work at least 40 hours a week and there's probably commuting because it's LA. You're going to be stuck in traffic for half an hour, an hour every day, maybe more. Um, like where do you fit in your training and where do you fit in your social life? How do you rest properly and eat right? Um, it's really tough, you know? So even if you have a great job, you nearly have to choose, right? Um, and if you don't have a great job, then maybe you can make it work still. Uh, but if it's a place like this, like LA, um, maybe you have to work like four or five different jobs and then you're just working all the time. So when do you train? Right. Or, or if you're just skirting by and you're living in your car, you know, that's pretty rough too. That's a rough life. Like, are you relaxing the way you need to relax? Because that, if you're constantly worried about money and feeding yourself all the time, it's pretty hard to recover the way you need to, unless you're like a special athlete, like a top 1% or higher athlete naturally which we not all are, um, you know, so like these things are make it very, very difficult. Uh, and that's why you see like a lot of really young kids, which is good for recovery. It's good for training, uh, all that business, but really young kids with, um, maybe wealthy parents, or they've got like some type of like school money or something where they can kind of get by without having to, to work full time or go to school full time, and then also train like that helps so much. It, it just it, like I can't even overstate it. You know, some people can do all of those things and be OK. But I would say the vast majority of people need more time to make everything work properly. Uh, and it's really a tough thing to do. So if you're like independently wealthy and young, go go for jujitsu. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> if not, like try to have some type of game plan, some type of in because otherwise it, it can be pretty rough, especially if you've like fallen in love with it and dedicated many years of your life to it. And then all of a sudden have nothing to show for it. Do you just give up on that all of a sudden? Cause it's not getting you anywhere. Or then do you just go into eating it for years more after that, which is not ideal either. Right. Um, yeah. and that's just, a, it's just a shitty place to be in. So, um, I would say like, try to have a good game plan if you're not independently wealthy and young at the same time. Right. Yeah, but no, easier that's, said that's, than done. <laughs> well, it, it appeals to me a lot, you know. Um, I have uh, my roommate's name is Nathan Highland, and uh, he works for the National Academy of Sports Medicine, and he is a uh, very, very like I cannot overstate how helpful he is to me. You know what I mean? Like, uh, not gonna get in like the financial details of it, but like he's helped me out a lot here, you know, and um, <clears throat> it's providing me an opportunity to train and work. Uh, not an uncomfortable amount so that I can continue to pursue my career in an environment that suits me, my own space, 
like access to food, like, like obviously I buy my own food and stuff like that, but like access to like recovery stuff and like being able to relax and have an environment where I can play guitar or I can take a nap or I can eat well and you know, everything like that information about nutrition from him, because I mean, the national Academy of sports medicine teaches a lot of really great stuff and man, I'm just like, I'm very, very grateful, but literally everything you just said is kind of like, I'm taking the approach of someone who like the latter thing you said, but I am the former thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I'm just young and like kind of dumb <laughs> and I don't need to do a lot of stuff to like, I could still be living at home with my parents. Like they said I could, but I didn't want to, I wanted to move out, you know? Of course. So, yeah. um, cause I, I want to learn these life skills so that when I do have to live on my own and actually be, you know, a human being, I can, <laughs> but for now I'm just a, a jujitsu bum. That's, that's able to compete a lot. Um, but yeah, that's very, very interesting that you said that. And I feel like it appeals to me a lot. Well, you have to be at that high level too. Like you really, you need something like that, right? Like it's, uh, especially to stay there. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you were in a position where you were constantly worried about like, am I going to pay rent this month? Am I going to be able to eat the way I need to eat? You know, like then you're maybe start losing sleep then maybe you're not going to sign up for every tournament that comes down the pike because you're weighing the money that that's going to cost. You're not spending time looking for sponsors the way you should, or you know, you're know you not off doing seminars the way you should or promoting yourself because you're just, it starts to be like a downward spiral. So it's really mm-hmm. important to have something like that uh, to set yourself up, to set yourself up for success in jujitsu, especially if you're competing all the time. That's um, it makes it tough because you're tired too. You don't have the energy to do all the things that you normally would want to do outside of jujitsu uh, when you're beating your body into the ground, you know, day in and day out. So, yeah, I think that's why you see a lot of, uh, I'd like both your takes on this, but I think that's why you see a lot of competitors. They'll have a really good career, but then they kind of make that transition to full-time Academy owners. Cause they, like you said, they don't want to eat it for the next 10 years just to win a few more gold medals. They'd rather have their Academy and set themselves up like, for a strong financial future, but is was that part of why you opened your academy as well? Um, I mean, I love to teach. Like, I think I'm a better teacher than I ever was a competitor. I was never that great of a competitor, um, but uh, but I love to compete. Um, it's also something that is a huge for me, at least. It's a huge uh, commitment. Like, not just the actual showing up to the tournament and you know for however many hours and doing that, but it's the preparation. Like for me, I, I do need the cardio. Like I have to work my ass off to be in good enough shape to compete. Um, and you have to beat yourself up day in and day out and recover properly too. But when I'm at my best for competition, at least half of my week is usually me walking around like a zombie and trying to take naps whenever I can, because, you know, and not me thinking about marketing myself or, doing the things that I need to do to bring in money because you just don't have the energy. Right. So it, at some point for me, at least because of all of the, everything that goes into just being good at competing, it, I kind of have to choose and me being you know older now I'm 38. So I'm a lot older. Uh, it's like, well, how many good years do I have left? Is it worth putting all of this time and effort and then 
getting rid of all of anything else, like not paying attention to social obligations or, you know, working on a career or anything else, just working on this one thing. How many good years do I have left to make that financially feasible? Or should I just focus on what I'm actually better at anyway, which is teaching, try to open up a gym and just see how that goes. Like maybe we can, you know, cause if you work it right too, like maybe you could be able to own your own gym, teach and still compete. Right. Like, because you're at least still in jujitsu. So you can, you're kind of right there and maybe you can figure out a way to make, make it work where you can kind of be a zombie for a couple of months a year at least, and still go out there and compete well um, because you're just doing jujitsu all the time anyway. Right. Um, so that was the avenue that I went, but it's not right for everyone. Also, when you run a gym, you're running a small business, which I just thought I was going to open doors, throw down some mats and I'd be just teach. And that's all you do, but you got to like market, you got to do administrative work. Um, you know, there's so much that goes into it. That's not jujitsu. And, uh, I don't think I was ready for that. I also had like a bad business plan as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's like a, a lot that I wasn't personally prepared for that. Now I know way better. Um, and, so even that route was the safe route for me. And also it made more sense and it was still tough. Right. So, um, I don't know. It's just, it's tough to find your way in. If you're not like a world champ or on your way to being a world champ already, right. It's really hard to make it in the business and, you know, maybe you can open up your own clothing line or you can find some other Avenue that works as well. But the, these are not the normal paths that people take for jujitsu most people think about competitors because that's the most common way i guess but still very difficult there's a lot of competition you know yeah yeah i mean <clears throat> i don't know uh i mean i really want to coach too i love coaching as well uh but i also i also have this new found not new found it's kind of like i'm leveraging something i was interested in high school into something i do now so like commentating i really 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 I'm so excited for uh, for ADCC. This yeah, you get be, to do ADCC and the trials, right? And the trials. So that's awesome. That's incredible, right? Yeah. Like I literally here's the situation. I'm about to take a nap in my bed, and I and I see Mo put something about something, and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna tease some. So I put uh, something on Instagram. Uh, hey, if Mo at Mo just even is looking for new commentators, cool. And then he just reposted on his story, and apparently people messaged him and said, hey, this kid's actually a good commentator. He commentated Third Coast and Jits King, and he watched those and messaged me back and said, hey, if you're serious, I will 100% put that together. I was like – like I thought I had already taken the nap. You know what I mean? I thought maybe I was dreaming or something <laughs> like that. But what I, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a news anchor, and I wanted to work in journalism and like mm. – I wanted to interview athletes and like do like the news or whatever, whatever the case was. I just wanted to be involved in media in that regard, right? And uh, I always thought, man, what if I could like commentate the UFC one day? What if I could commentate big sporting events one day involved in combat sports? And like that's, I mean, Joe Rogan. Look at Joe Rogan. Is look at everything he's done. Basically, he had the job with the UFC off of a whim, you know. And I thought about that. I was like, man, I. I feel like my legacy, what I want to do is I want to bridge the gap between like being a good at representing the sport on the mic and like being a world champion, like at the same time, like being able to do both and do both exceptionally well. 
I don't feel like I won't be able to do that. I feel like I'm 100% capable of doing both simultaneously. And that is like my dream now. That's like, that's what I'm working towards. And I'm making steps towards it, I believe. And I'm relying a lot on you and Raf to help me. Uh, <laughs> I am uh, I am dead weight right now, but I will I will be flexible. Um, but that's that's what I want to do. And like teaching and having my own academy is something I talk with my professor with a lot because now all these opportunities are here, and now it's like, hey, like very real. Like you are like able to hopefully do well and become better at this, and maybe even take this further. But I don't want to like open an academy preemptively or prematurely and um, not ruin those chances. But like when you open an academy, like you just said, it's not just jujitsu. Like you have to, you have to take care of people's money they're giving you and invest it properly into your academy so that you're not losing money. Like Andre has also been teaching me about business stuff. I am so like I was, I'm still stupid, but I was very stupid. I've taken away the very from it. You know what I mean? Like, man, he he has been teaching me a lot. So when you said, yeah, opening up academy is not just jiu-jitsu, that is so true. It is so true, and it is so scary for new business owners sometimes. I feel like everybody's like, you know, people who move here from Brazil to open academy are like, oh, my gosh, I got to do all this stuff now, you know? But yeah. now we have to, you have to do the same thing. And your situation is different. You know, like L.A., like you just said, like L.A. is expensive. Arizona is not as expensive. And Arizona is booming right now. You know what I mean? Like jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu is opening up like we already talked about earlier in this episode. It's opening. People are wanting to do jiu-jitsu here. Um, but that's like my plan, I suppose. Uh, not I suppose. That's definitely my plan is I want to take the commentary and, and, and also just my competitive uh, dreams and push them as far as I possibly can. But uh, I definitely also love coaching, man. Like. Danny, do you like coaching? Um, I've never coached, but um, really? just like oh. yeah, I've never I've never like taught classes like on my own. Oh, but wow, um, I mean I've somewhere. helped out like yeah, I've helped out with like white belts and blue belts and stuff who have questions. I actually really do like it. I hope I can coach one day. But yeah, yeah. We're doing an open guard cast seminar for sure. <laughs> One of our guests are going to invite us down and be like, it's me and Danny going down. We're going to do an open guard cast seminar where we both teach our favorite techniques. Mostly Jake teaching people. No, how to... no it's half and half. It's half yeah, and half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I am just the guy that I looks old. That happen. I would love to. We, I mean, Danny and I have like – you know what's funny is Danny and I have the kind of a dynamic to where like – Danny has messaged me very early in the morning and I've messaged him very late at night with like <laughs> ideas that we have, you know what I mean? And we've had the, we've had the pleasure of being able to talk to a lot of people who are helpful. And, um, I mean like Jordan Peitzman of Subspectrum is a friend of ours and, uh, it was really, really cool to be able to have him come on the show. And like, we have a relationship with him now. Uh, we have Eddie from Agro brand who is a great friend of ours who designed our logo that Danny is, uh, Danny's not actually in the logo, by the way, this is a <laughs> visual trick. Call it. Yes. <laughs> um, I live inside the logo. And yeah. like David Garmo and like so many people who are like, have connections and like are so cool. We had Anna Lowry who, uh, was pivotal in the opening of unity jujitsu. Um, she was on the show and she's a great guest. Uh, shout out to Anna. We miss you. But yeah, it's like, that's what's so cool is one day these ideas are not going to become like haha ideas. They're going to like be real. So I'm telling you, Danny, open guard cast seminars going to happen. I bet you between the three of us, we could make that happen. Let me come down and film it and we'll do something 
something where we put it up on the internet. I, I bet you we could get an in and make this. Out. I would I would go to that seminar 100%. You guys are both super good. It'd be great. See that, Danny? <laughs> See that, Danny's all red. Look at him. He's yeah. like, oh, man. Dude. Uh, and that's what I love about um, – I remember a while ago, John, we, ta- we talked about going and filming something with Raph, like some technique thing where we, we go with Raph and I do techniques on Raph. And it would be like funny because I'm only doing them on Raph and not on you. And, uh, <laughs> man, <laughs> like – and you know what's so 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 cool is I'm so appreciative of, um, of you and Raph. And like I, I message Raph all the time whenever I have any questions, but, uh, and this is something I want, not just Danny, but everybody listening to understand, like these guys have done so much for the jiu-jitsu community. Oh yeah. And so they're much. both on like, like they're both doing their own things, right? Like verbal Tapcast is one of the f- most fun things I've been on. Uh, I absolutely love Kevin and I love Raf and their fight companions are great too. But you guys have done so much behind the scenes work. Um, that isn't even talked about. Like I, ever since like talk, talking to Mo more, talking to Ricardo Amendolio when he was on our podcast, like you really get to see that jiu-jitsu doesn't really work unless people like you and Raf and Amendolia and even Michael Sears, uh, who I love. It's um, good, yeah. yeah. And I actually do like him. I know that sounded sarcastic, but I do like him. I used to, I used to have like this weird thing where I thought he hated me, but then I met him at third coast and he's a cool dude. But, uh, that all these he guys, anyone. he's he's a pretty like he's a pretty chill dude. No, I, I joked about it because uh, he would always pick me to lose like every <laughs> fight. He would pick me to lose every single time I had a match and then I would win and he wouldn't say anything. So I just thought that, oh, he just didn't want me to win. You know what I mean? Like I, I defied his expectations. <laughs> so oh, okay. he, he, I defied his expectations. So I am now the enemy. Oh, but that's man. not what the case was. It's there's so much to just do happening. How are you going to report on everything? You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) but, uh, like all these guys doing fantastic work behind the scenes. And I, I, now that I am going to get a chance to kind of just kind of work with those people, uh, and not just those people, but those like, I mean, dude, it's so important. And now I get to be a part of it. And now I've seen both. I've seen like the competitive and the behind the scenes. It's such a huge honor for me. Um, I'm just super excited. I'm super excited to see it. I'm very appreciative of it. Um, and I do want to beat up Raph. I do. I, uh, oh, we all see. It's, yeah. I see his big head, and I think that is guillotinable. I want to do it. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. I mean, it's not it's not guillotinable, but it looks like it. It's and we all feel that way. Yes. I understand he he's built more like a tortoise, and where he can recede into his shell. But um, <laughs> I thought like the WB frog. It's just like a V. <laughs> no neck. He's funny. It's not. It's not as funny without him here to to actually listen and be insulted by it. So we we love you, Raph. <laughs> I know. Uh, I guess I have to. I say I made that fun of him so many times in the show. I remember we had John Combs on for our very first guest, and we made fun of Raph for like a good ten minutes. Like mm. it was like ten minutes of just making fun of Raph. No, so, he deserves it. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, I love Raph, man. We're gonna have him on. We're gonna have him on soon. Um, I have a what uh BJJ breakdown. Yes, right? that is your Instagram at. Uh, when did you start that? Um, man, a long time ago. Uh, I was running my own YouTube channel. I think just under my Gmail name, like John William E, which is you know William is my middle name. So I was running that, and uh, I did it because I was injured at the time. I was training a lot, and I was injured, and I was just kind of depressed. Um, and 
you know, like what, what the hell am I going to do with my time? Like I can't train, like what, what am I going to do? And I realized like I'd been training probably about four or five years at the time. Uh, I realized like maybe around three years in, I was watching the worlds and I was watching one match in particular. And I thought to myself, I have no idea what the hell's going on whatsoever. After three years of doing this thing, five to six days a week, you know, without taking any time off, just very consistent. And I, I could not tell you one thing that was happening in that match. It made no sense. Um, and that kind of blew my mind. I'm like, why do I not, why do I know so little about this thing that I've spent so long doing? Um, and then I really like focused on trying to learn more technical aspects of the game. And at about a year or two later, I think more, more like two years, I, I looked at the next year's worlds and I watched it. And I'm like, I pretty much knew everything that was going on. I was shocked. I, I'm, I was testing myself going from match to match. Like, no, I, I pretty much felt good everywhere there. I knew most of the stuff that was happening and, and uh, it was a big deal. And I realized that of course that context made the matches much more exciting and important to me. Um, but then I thought, well, if I, after three years of training consistent, you know, I, I was getting to train a lot. I kind of dedicated my life to it. Um, you know, the majority of people have jobs or they're just getting into it or, or whatever, or maybe they're not at a great gym, which is really hard to pick when you're brand new. Cause you don't know what you don't know. Right. So you just go to a gym that you think is okay, but it might be the worst gym in the world. You, you wouldn't really know until you're there and maybe train for a while and go to a different gym and train for a while. Um, and so there's like all these factors going into it that I thought newer people, anyone that's trained for less than three years probably are in the same boat. Like maybe they don't know what's going on at all watching these things. And if I could help them by giving context to them verbally of like what's happening in real time, then that would be huge. People would maybe learn the game a lot faster too. So I started just taking matches that I'd record on like a camcorder uh, at Pan Am's or Worlds or wherever, uh, Budo videos at the time got upset and like made me put it away a bunch. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, they, they've, they had a contract or whatever the case was like, they weren't actually horrific about it, but, uh, it was, it was still, it was not always the easiest thing to get. Um, and I had to like go in person and film these matches and then I could put them up because they weren't, nobody owned that the video it was my own video and I'd put them up and I'd just commentate over them and put them on my YouTube channel. And it started getting so popular that I realized like, wow, I should probably brand this as something and try to do something with it instead of just having it under my Gmail name or whatever. So I changed then. I, I couldn't come up with a name to save my life. I wanted something more uh, catchy, more, more, just a better name. Um, but I, I really could not come up with anything, but I wanted to make sure that people knew that it was jujitsu based. So um, the name that nobody had at the time uh, and it was a jujitsu name, just BJJ Breakdown. So I made the new channel BJJ Breakdown and then just started like I got a logo made. I started branding everything with that. Still wasn't crazy about the name, but um, it wasn't bad either and just kind of ran with it. Uh, and then when I opened up my gym, called it uh, Breakdown Academy and used the same logo, but you know, with a different, different text for the breakdown Academy. Um, and then just kind of, have just kept that going. Um, so 
yeah, I've been doing the BJJ breakdown thing a long time, but it's gone through a bunch of different iterations. Uh, it's not anything where I would like it to be yet. I used to get paid when the algorithm was better on YouTube. Not a lot of money, like a few hundred bucks every month, every couple months, something like that. Uh, but since they've changed, because I've been doing it so long, since they changed the way that the algorithm works and the way people get paid, um, you have to have a ton more views and a ton more likes and um, uh, a lot more subscribers usually to actually make money at it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually just in the process of redoing my YouTube page. So I'm going to be putting out something completely different on there. Uh, also jujitsu related, but something that people that aren't into jujitsu will also hopefully enjoy as well. So, and, uh, maybe you guys can be a part of at least some part of that, uh, pretty soon if you guys are down. Uh, let me ask, let me, one sec, let me ask Danny. Um, so Danny, this, uh, this John Evans guy is trying to, he's trying to invite us over. Yes, we want to. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so John, um, we have on our YouTube channel, I don't mean to flex, right? I'm not going to like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to make you feel bad, but we have 45 subscribers. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, uh, which, uh, whoa, you have 3.48K. That's a lot more than us. Um, which is actually really good for not really putting out hardly any videos on there for the last four years or whatever. I pretty much stopped when I got hired by Flow because I was putting out my own tournaments. I was live streaming them myself through the YouTube channel, commentating them myself. And that's how Flow oh. eventually saw me. I put out, I think it was the last tournament that I did was at my gym at Breakdown Academy before it closed and uh and that i think ricardo amandolia saw it and he talked to howl and they said that they liked what i did and they wanted me uh to commentate with them at worlds and which was awesome and i've been working with flow ever since but when i started working with flow it kind of killed the bgj breakdown thing because it took what i was already doing and then just put me in the actual events that I would normally be filming and commentating <laughs> mm -hmm. on and then just commentating over the actual live stream. So it kind of like there was people were like, why don't you put out those anymore? Because they're shockingly very popular, like um, like Levi, my friend Levi Jones, him and a lot of his friends that were coming up, especially if they were in like. Australia, maybe in the sticks somewhere or whatever, where they didn't have a lot of high level training around, they would watch my videos for training. So they, I thought they were joking. I'm like, you don't have to make fun of me. Like, but they'd be like, no, like, I know this guy, he wants to meet you. Is it okay? Like, this is John, BJ Breakdown, John Evans. And I'm like, you don't have to be such an ass. Like, come on. Like, it's not, but like, they were, he was serious. Like, they actually know me. I'm like a, a weird celebrity to some, some of those people that are now amazing jujitsu athletes. Uh, but they were coming up during that time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, they just watched my videos, which is super weird because I've, you know, they've just been on my channel. I don't think anybody really watches them but some of them i guess were really popular and have been over time and it's weird when people stop me uh and they're like you're the guy that runs the channel i like used to watch your videos and they'd like name off video i'm like oh shit i forgot those were even up there because i haven't really updated that channel in so long because i was working for flow and i still am working for flow it just i mean i'm they hire me independently as a commentator 
So, uh, but this year has been pretty, pretty rough for that. So yeah, hectic for sure. It's yeah. funny. Uh, I'm looking at, man, you have videos of like 2013 Pan Ams and man, you know, what's funny. 2013 Pan Ams. I, uh, I was juvenile blue belt and I see like Paul meow and like all these, all these matches from, from Pan Ams. Uh, I, I won, but yeah, I was 15 years old, dude. It's crazy. Like that, that is it's crazy, crazy to have these oh old videos. Um also you talk about being friends with Levi Jones, it's really cool. I like Levi a lot. I think yeah, Levi is like a cool. shining light in the jiu-jitsu community because he's just so funny and friendly and there's nothing like controversial about him. I fought him at in Pan Am's and he was middleweight back then. Now he's back at middleweight for Pan Am's this year. I fought him at uh, Pan Am's twenty seventeen at Purple Belt Middleweight. Wow. That kid was big. Bro, he's bulky. He's like I was watching the video with uh, my, the adult competitor, Cade, uh, at my house yesterday I was telling you about. And we're watching the match. I'm like, dude, Levi looks huge. Like, now he looks, like, thinner and he looks really tall because light heavyweight or lightweight makes him look a lot taller because everybody's shorter. But yep. middleweight, dude, he looked thick. Like, I remember – I don't remember sizing up against him and him being that, like, just stout. But uh, but he was. He yeah. He was very, very strong. He yeah, barely bulked definitely... in our match and uh, took my back and – choked me I mean, 10 to 2 that was cool it's yeah that's uh you're you're not alone there so <laughs> eat him in the open Ooh. advantage <laughs> perfect <laughs> payback <Yep. laughs> exactly how i wanted to win by an advantage when he chokes wins me. a win <laughs> so one thing that i wanted to bring up because i think it's really cool how in like jujitsu like those your videos really can help someone learn jujitsu and like you can you know, you can watch matches on flow or, or other people's breakdowns, and it, it really does help. Like, it's not just like, you know, watching a football game and you're going to be a better football player. But watching jiu-jitsu really does, does I feel like it does help. So do you feel like um, you kind of started a trend? Because, like, obviously BJ Scout came up after that. And there's, like, so many breakdown YouTube channels now that are really helpful. But yours was the first one that I can ever remember watching. Um, <laughs> so do, oh, were, were there others that really inspired you, or was it, like, completely organic, like, I just want to break down these matches and then other people kind of followed. No, I mean, I know like back in the day, like before me, um, I would talk to my old professor, Sean Williams, who commentates also. Um, and he would talk about how he would wake up in the morning and he'd be eating his oatmeal or whatever, waiting to go train. And he would watch like a, a Mark Lehman, like rewind. Oh yeah. VHS though. Right. Like yeah. it, it was like back in the day. And, and those were amazing. Like, I think some of them are on YouTube, if you go check them out, where it was old school world's matches or even local tournaments. And he would just show a technique. And Mark Lehman, if you don't know who he is, used to be in Vegas. Uh, he's been a black belt forever. Super, super good jujitsu, but really uh, a technical mind, too. Um, and especially early on when... Uh, jiu-jitsu in america it, at least was pretty it was rough going right it, there was no youtube it was tough to find um good instruction and it, it was just really like a, a numbers game and it, it, it's uh no wonder why some parts of america still have such a low level of jiu-jitsu given that legacy right now everything's coming up pretty quick and now you'll see different areas that are now becoming hotbeds for jujitsu that were just terrible before. Um, but that's 
all changed in recent times. But Mark Lehman was back there and he was one of the kind of, I would say like a pioneer of like American jujitsu really focused yeah. on technique. And he put out these videos and it would just be a sweep, a sweep from a certain position. And he would just show it over and over again. So that way you could just, he wouldn't even say anything over it, but you could, you know, he's filming and he's being, he shows like, this is the transition. This is important. So just show it over and over again. And you could sit there and my old professor Sean would watch those and learn a lot about, I mean, you see a bunch of that, uh, now people do that. Basically you can do it on flow grappling or YouTube, uh, where you look up old, old, uh, tournaments or tournaments that have just happened and you get to see, you can watch whatever you want. You can rewind it yourself as many times as you want. And it's fantastic. But back then they didn't have that. Um, and so he, he was one of the first people that I ever heard of that did something like that. And it's a huge, um, it was a huge thing for, people in the sport that love jujitsu and really wanted to learn more about it. So, I mean, I definitely wasn't a pioneer of it because people like him and there's probably people before him, maybe in Brazil that were doing it as well. Uh, there's usually somebody like that, that has been around throughout the ages that have kind of helped propel jujitsu technique over the years. But for being on the internet and people that put out breakdowns or anything, I didn't know of anyone else that did anything like what I did. So, for me, and especially like I used, a, I did my research. I came from IT. I used to be computer tech. So I did research and I figure out how to use a telestrator. I didn't even know what the word was, where you can draw on it. I was just like John Madden. And so if you see some of those <laughs> videos, like I draw on them and say, yeah. you know, point like this grip is important and point to it. And, you know, th things like that. And I was for sure the first person to ever do that, that I ever knew of. In fact, I think maybe the only person still and up until about a little while ago when Keenan got his own show on flow and he now uses a telestrator. Um, so yeah, I mean, I did a lot of things that I didn't think that anyone would really watch or they would be, I wasn't sure if they would be helpful to anyone or if anyone would ever see him. I just thought I wanted to do it and I thought it would be helpful for someone like me. Like if I was, like younger me that just started jujitsu, if I saw those, they would help me. And that's all I wanted to do. That was my goal. Um, so uh, if people did get something out of those, then man, that's awesome. The, the mission accomplished is better than I thought it, they would have done. So that's pretty cool. That was really cool. I was just like tr entranced. <laughs> I really, uh, I really enjoy putting out, um, like technique videos like that. I haven't done it in a, in a while. I, I was putting out a weekly thing, the uh, Fundamental Fridays. Yeah, I really like this. Yeah, I, I stopped for some reason, and I don't know why. I, uh, <laughs> I, have, I have yet to come to the conclusion of why I did stop doing that. I think I just, like, it was just, like, something that I had to do. No, the pandemic had nothing to do with it. No? <laughs> no. I mean, I, you weren't even in the gym for months? Or? Yeah, well, yeah, that was, you know, I, I became uh, massively depressed, but... That was uh, my that was my own personal prerogative, and the people deserve better. Um, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get a fat head of the Open Guard Cast logo, and I'm gonna put it on my friend's wall, and I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna bring back Fundamental Friday. What's the first technique I got to show, John? You know what? It's gonna be called, called something else. I'm gonna show just random techniques. How about that? Or do you like yeah. the fundamentals? No, I I I did really like the fun, fundamentals, but I think that will appeal to us. Weirdly, the people that need the fundamentals the most typically don't look like if it's something says fundamental on them, they're like, Psh, 
Like most yeah. people want to see the flashy stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. the the people that are trying to bear and bully you as a white belt, like those are the guys that need to see Fundamental Fridays. Yeah, and true. they would see that and say, Fundament, like, no, nah, just click, <laughs> change yeah. the channel. Like, they don't want to see that stuff. You don't put people like fun. me that have been training for 14 years that I'm like, oh, that's a cool little thing variation on uh, uh elbow escape that i never really do and like i would never have seen that i love that mm-hmm. and there's just way less of us than there are the people that want to they, they just want to <laughs> shine bro. yeah <laughs> they want they want that instant gratification <laughs> style maybe you yeah. video. get a clip of one of your matches and break down a technique there now that would be I but that's... I suck. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. No, no. Um, what you talked about about using like the collar sleeve, and you can maybe even talk about like the evolution of your guard, and this is a match where you used it. You know, that'd yeah, be cool. But then you're you giving away the humor. secrets, though. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> but is it really a secret though? Like collar and sleeve is not exactly a magical thing. Um, it's pretty magical. Anyone that's omoplotted someone off a collar sleeve, it feels like magic. It yeah. feels like magic for sure, especially when you were super nervous the entirety of the match because you were going to get armbarred from 50-50 and then you pull off freaking collar and sleeve omoplata and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't get my arm broken. That's awesome. Uh, people will uh, comment on that. They put that fight on YouTube. And they were like, why would you... Yeah, they were like, why would you put this fight on YouTube? <laughs> oh, and I kind of like thought the same thing. I was like, yeah, why would you put this fight? I'm I'm the one who won, and I fought the fight. And I, I don't watch the fight. Like, I don't study that fight for film study. You know what I mean? I understand that it was a super, super slow fight. My fight with Hinaldo at Orange County Open is the greatest jiu-jitsu fight no one has ever seen. <laughs> Except me. Take that to the grave. Except for Danny. Danny saw that fight. I had John Evans. I had the single, the single greatest jiu-jitsu match that no one has ever heard of in history. And it was versus Ronaldo Jr. Earlier that day, he stood on me. He beat me like like six to two or so, six to zero, six to two. I, th- I want to give myself some credit and say I think I swept him. But um, he st- I got so tired in the match that he stood on me like a surfboard and like taunted me and like disrespected me. And I got really upset. So in the I, I blasted through the open, met him in the final, and me and him went like – like Danny, what was it like as a spectator? It had to have been like the craziest match ever, right? It was like that uh, whirlwind that the Tasmanian Devil leaves behind. That was like the whole match. <laughs> it was crazy. It was like, and I don't know how just I kept fighting for everything. Career, I, did. I was just mad. I was so pissed because I was like, I want to beat him so bad. I just want to like, so I can have that yeah. and be like, yeah, I Gets, beat you today. See that? You get a little revenge. Like you now, you have a second place. Good for you, but no, he double gold. He uh, he won. <laughs> um, he won by. Uh, he's, he's, he's pretty, you know. I've, I've heard he's okay. Man, he's so good. <laughs> he is so good. I want to get him on the show too. He's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. He's ridiculous, dude. His and passing and the key is like. Oh, I want to have him on the show because uh, he like he like Andre. I, we talked to Galvão and talked about Ronaldo because Ronaldo's an interesting beast for me because me and him have this interesting rivalry that I don't think is a rivalry at all because he's beaten me seven times and I've beaten him once. So that's not a rivalry. That is called I've been getting my butt whooped and I finally <laughs> got one. That is what that's called. All right. This is not like Yankees Red Sox. This is this is like Yankees and that high school team. And then all of a sudden they got a good player, you know, but uh, I finally got one and uh, I want to get him on the show. I want to like hang out with him because he seems like a cool dude, but he's like so competitive that he won't talk to me. Oh, he because you're still competition. Because I'm competition. So they won't oh, talk to me at tournaments. Funny, yeah. Like, dude, you're so, away. 
Like Some I'm being heavy. Let's have fun. Are, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. freaking, I I got beat by John Combs and I went to dinner with the guy. Like, give me a yeah. break, bro. Like, <laughs> me. He, I hated him for an hour and then I went to dinner and then we saw a couple fight. It was cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you'd be upset about John Combs guillotining you. Like I was upset any, a, for anyone. You, that's you know it's kind of upset. it's his thing. You know, it's a. You know why I was upset, Mr. Evans, is because the whole game plan was don't sit up, you will get guillotined. And what did I do? I sat up and got guillotined. It's like the punchline to a Norm MacDonald joke. It was not good. It yeah, was. I was watching that one. I, I thought maybe like I was like, oh man, I should have. I felt bad because I we were talking before his match, um, and I also talked to him too. He's a super nice guy. Uh, but but I was gonna just say like okay you know just see what your preparation was for him like what did you do about his guillotines or you know like just to see like not even impart anything to you just just to i like to know for my own personal benefit viewing like, pleasure yeah what what are what are your what is going to be your answer to his most crushing uh attack right like the thing that he's known for and but then i didn't say anything and then i thought Maybe he didn't ever watch John Combs tape and doesn't realize he's super good at guillotine because you sat up and you got guillotine. And then I felt so bad. I'm like, I should have at least warned him. So it would no, have been I knew. Like, oh, okay. I knew. I just was doing well in the match. Like, and I think got I a swept little, him. I yeah. swept him. And I also, like, I had a, he never even got close to passing my guard. I was like, dude, I feel good. Um, Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, lean forward a little bit, try to get under the leg. And then as soon as my head came, like, there. Boom, guillotine me. I was like, what the hell? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so quick. He's, and I tried to guillotine ridiculous. him at one point. But I thought about it, and I'm like, next time I fight this dude, I guess I'm going to fight him again. I am laying on my back. I was like, because he's not, I'm going to just watch Andrew, what Andrew Wilty did, and I'm going to just lay on my back. I'm going to let him come to me. And that's it. I'm not going to freaking, <laughs> I'm going to pull guard in a good position. I'm not going to be a dumb kid. And I was so excited. Because I was like, man, I'm competing again. It took me freaking – it took me two tournaments to get back to where I could fight freaking Felipe Andrew and do better against him than John. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, I did I did way better against Felipe Andrew than I did against <laughs> John Combs. And no, no, like it's just two different style fights. Like one of them is European absolute champion. And the other guy guillotined the crap out of me two weeks prior – a week prior to that. <laughs> My pride yeah. was so like this over that three week span, dude. <laughs> and I was in Florida. It was a mess. It was a mess. It was, like, it was a horrible, horrible time at Jits King, Florida. They were great. They're cool people, but yeah, you got you got to see that free brawl though. Yeah, that was them. I don't, don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> poor family. Florida things, yeah. <laughs> Nice. So you mentioned the the new YouTube channel and having like a, a different kind of plan for that. Do you have any other like obviously it's kind of difficult right now with the pandemic but do you plan on opening an academy again do you plan on um doing anything else like competition related like i know you mentioned you might do the trials but just like what's coming up on your on your radar um so it's weird right now because because of the pandemic uh yeah. things are starting to open back up right like there's pan ams coming up in mm -hmm. a, you said a month i think yeah and then there's uh abu dhabi uh world pro at mm -hmm. november i think it is yep and um, as a freelance commentator, I never know when or if I'll be hired for these gigs. I think I commentated the World Pro in 20, 20, was it 2019? 
No. Yeah, it was 2019. And but I think I had like two weeks notice. Of, oh wow. Of like yeah, because yeah, sometimes it just works out like that, right? Yeah. So uh, I mean, sometimes it'll be like months in advance. Like, are you going to be in town for this? And I've at least got an idea. Okay, they want me for this. Leave these dates open. Should be good to go. I pretty much try to leave the big tournament dates open anyway, just in case, you know, mm-hmm. even if I hire somebody else, then they might need me last minute replacement. You just never know. Um, so uh, I don't always get like a ton of notice. So I'm not sure, like maybe I'm commentating both of those tournaments. Maybe I'm <laughs> not commentating at all for the rest of the year. Uh, it's just, it's tough. Um, maybe they're going to cancel all of those tournaments because of COVID, you know, like maybe it's, I mean, the, they potentially could be like <clears throat> not a great thing for the pandemic. Right. Uh, and, and what if a lot of people don't sign up because they're worried too, you know? So it, it's a really interesting thing, uh, especially in jujitsu. I think it's, this pandemic has been horrible for jujitsu. I think we're actually, I'm worried that we're going to see, I'm worried that we might see, the great, <clears throat> the great American extinction of jujitsu because of the pandemic. And when I when I say extinction, I don't mean to make it sound so dire. Like jujitsu will survive the pandemic, but a lot of gyms, a lot of gyms, and I think a lot more than people realize are going to close because of this. And the availability of jujitsu might go through the floor because of this and it's um i don't know it's it's it sucks there's there's not uh, there's not a, a great outlook to it the you know whether there's i mean half half the people in the country feel like this thing is kind of a joke and it doesn't affect people and the other half seem to think that it's like the worst thing ever and we've got to do everything to close down at all costs. And just the fact that people aren't on the same page creates, you know, problems right away. Right. Yeah. And so no matter like how you feel about the whole pandemic, um, it, the, the, one of the worst things about it is that the government is not helping small businesses the way that they should. And especially with jujitsu pretty much, I don't think I've heard of one jujitsu Academy that's being helped by the government through all of this. And if you're forced to close as a small business for well, up to six months or longer potentially, and you're not getting any other assistance, like how are you supposed to, to keep going? Whether it's the right thing to do or not, right? Like yeah. just, just as like a math equation, like how does that work? So you're gonna see a lot of gyms closing and you're gonna see a lot of good jujitsu schools and practitioners not be able to support themselves anymore and you will see people move away from jujitsu in america at least where they're not helping the gyms and it's super unfortunate i really hope that it is not as bad as i think it potentially could be but um i also realize it could be even worse than i think it might be uh which would be horrible um so i don't know it's it'll be interesting times to see over the next year like how things pan out but yeah um, where yeah. if at all is there a ray of hope I mean, at this point, it's just it's just looking like the vaccine. And then once the vaccine comes out, getting it, getting it to everyone and then 
it, putting an end to the whole pandemic in general. Like that's really the only the only thing that's going to come out of it, really. I mean, people, even if you were to say across the board, like in LA, we're still on lockdown, right? But in Arizona, you guys aren't anymore. Um, so even if all the, uh, the governments for every county in the whole nation were just to say, do what you want, reopen, there's still going to be people that live with autoimmune compromised people or their family, um, elderly people that aren't going to want to risk going to a gym and maybe they're, they're not worried about it themselves, but bringing it home. Right. So you're going to see a lot of people that uh, a lot of gyms are losing uh, membership because people don't want to go back to potentially putting their loved ones in jeopardy. And so even if you just like say everything's back to normal now until the pandemic's completely done with until everyone's vaccinated and, and it's hundred percent over, it still could pose a lot of problems for jujitsu. So it's, uh, you know, the, I think one of the only ways that we could have made it work is if during the closure, um, the government stepped in and did help each of the individual gyms. Cause that's, that's about the only answer that makes any kind of sense. And that I think that was the idea, but it just didn't work in, in practice, right? Like nobody received assistance from the government, which is, is horrible. And that's why you see some of these gyms that are forced to stay open, even with the threat of fines or uh, legal action or whatever. Um, and even if, if uh, the gym owner happens to be one of those people that does feel like this is a, an actual threat to humanity, right? Cause some people don't feel that way, but if the gym owner does feel that way and they have to choose between feeding themselves and their family and putting people at risk, right? There's not a huge, like you, you can't be homeless and starving. So like what options do you leave them? Right. So it's just really rough for, for everyone that's involved in the business of jujitsu because we kind of got left out in the cold. Yeah, for me, like seeing the the news about Kyle Terra's gym like really hit hard because he's obviously like one of the best competitors ever. Amazing coach, has amazing athletes that still compete at a high level. So like seeing that, it was like wow, really, really no one's safe. That's kind of how I felt when I heard that. But. Yeah, it's crazy times. So I mean, for the whole world too. Like it's not. It just you know we're on a jujitsu podcast. We're talking about jujitsu. Yeah. Dedicated our lives to it. So we're yeah. just looking at it from that perspective, but. Uh, I mean, for sure, everyone else in the world, like many people are feeling this too. But in for jujitsu, as to where some things, like some small businesses that aren't in jujitsu are getting taken care of. They're, you know, they're going to be fine, even though a lot of businesses are not going to be around after this. Um, definitely some industries are doing better than others. But for jujitsu, it's, it's not a good prognosis. And it, it, I'm really curious to see how it pans out eventually. But only time will tell at this point, right? Yeah. 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 So on that happy note. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Like. We're... No, but it's super Danny, interesting. Uh... A lot of people talk about it, so I, I think that's. Uh, yeah. No, that was very. I think it's very important to to at least bring awareness to it. You know. So. Well, of course, yeah, and we're yeah, um, it does suck, and it's very unfortunate, but I that's why you know. I guess now we bring back a message that we were saying at the beginning of the podcast because we kind of opened this just we opened this podcast like just before the pandemic even hit, I believe. Yeah, and um, that's when we started. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, 
then we we started to preach to people you know support your local business if you can and uh that's definitely let's get back to saying that because uh it's very it's very prominent and it's very important um you know people are losing their livelihoods and i mean on top of all that look at all the unrest Aside from the pandemic in our country, you know, like people, I mean, tenth plant that one tenth planet gym got it burned to the ground in a protest. Oh yeah, that, yeah, was, that, was, insane. that was insane. Over nothing, over absolutely nothing. So it's very sad. Um, but yeah, the happy note is the, the happy note that we can end that thought on is that it starts with people. So if you are a person who wants to help and who can like donate to your small business or can go and support it by eating there or anything like that go do it invite your friends make a day out of it spend time that could be a way that you spend time together and stay positive during the pandemic is by going and hopefully supporting somebody else who might be struggling during the pandemic it starts with people yo so maybe do that that's an idea yeah so so just as a summary get as many people together and physically go to a place to support it is that what you're saying uh, <laughs> i'm just as so. many people as you can six <laughs> feet apart from one another ah okay okay that's yeah come on man don't <laughs> people, people don't, listen to podcasts and like, espn okay. journalist me you get five thousand people like in the crowd it's like a scene yeah. in scooby-doo too when he's like you are going to interview me and try to make me think or try to make it sound like I think Coolsville sucks. And then all they put is I think Coolsville sucks. <laughs> exactly. You're going to, you're going to take this and be like, Jake Watson does not believe in the pandemic. Yeah. He's going to take it and put it on BJJ breakdown. Jake Watson does not believe in pandemic. Plandemic. Hashtag planned. <laughs> breaking <laughs> news. My, yeah. Breaking news. Jake Watson's a dumb idiot. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, I I agree. Like if you can, not everyone's in a position to to help because they're being affected by it too. But if you are, absolutely, like you know, we're all in this together. And um, even though the country's so divided right now on so many different things, um, you know, we're all human and sticking together and trying to support the people that that you love and that are important to you is, I think that's uh, about as good as we can do, right? Yeah, I believe the same. Danny. So, I don't know if you have any more questions, Jake. I know we've taken a lot of your time already, John, so we really, really appreciate it. Um, did, did you have anything else you want to bring up, Jake? No, you know, um, all, as always, uh, thank you to our guest and thank you, John. I hope that we're able to have you back on. Um, yeah, definitely. We have, definitely we have this have series that we want to bring back called Zooming In, where we do uh, video reviews of matches. And oh, I think it'd be awesome. very, very interesting. We sold the idea from the BGJ Breakdown YouTube channel. No, we didn't. <laughs> you don't have any good ideas. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust that one. Um, the only idea I have that I want to steal is your facial hair. I really want to talk <laughs> that for a tournament. I oh. want to look like Merlin, but um, oh. I uh, hey. I wish I could. I wish I could, but I can't grow face. I, I can't. This yeah. is about eighteen months worth of growing a beard. I'm so just kidding. This. Like two months. <clears throat> nice. Twenty two. I I was like. <laughs> mid 30s before he grow any kind of facial hair so i want to grow a beard that's like one of my uh like selfish weird like desires of my own personal appearance is i want to have a beard <laughs> but um and not just any beard like a bushy beard like i want to have like a yeah, big I yeah would, yeah like what, like kit dale like grow a beard like yeah i hate that guy that guy's an idiot yeah, yeah no we uh, all hate the guy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i'm kidding we love you but um i, I hate uh, beats me in practice all the time so but I like yes I, he tells me, he's like, I, Jake, 
I'm going to destroy you. And he's like, tells me he's going to beat me up when we grapple. I'm like, dude, we are, live in two separate states. Stop giving me empty threats. But uh, thank you for show everything you do. And... Oh, yeah, huh? I'll scare him. Yeah, I'm going to show yeah. up with a drill. And he he's won't understand go, what it is. Like, he's like, what is that clothing that you're holding? I don't. What, what are you wearing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you wearing there, mate? <laughs> he's going to come in like a didgeridoo. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, i mean he brings one to practice every time so yeah. <laughs> it's just his own voice um but th- thank you for everything you do john uh oh, i'm very very grateful for uh your friendship and everything that you support with the podcast and uh is I'm, i look forward to hopefully uh, working alongside you soon yeah uh, man i'm so stoked that you get to commentate that's awesome but like, it's a dream come true yeah, I mean, true. It'll, it'll be great to to hear you on it or work with you either way. Like, that's... hopefully, man, I'm gonna talk to Mo. Be like, listen, Mo. <laughs> I'm like, I don't. I know I'm not in a place to make requests. <laughs> Me and John are an unstoppable duo. If it's not I, Raph, I it's great. I yeah, just, it's gonna be little Raph, the Raph Junior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Either but, way, uh, be bitching. So, congrats. Do you have us. any? Do you have any sponsors? Thank you. Would you have any sponsors you'd like to shout out, my friend? Me? Um, I do not. I have zero sponsors. Cheddar Goblin. Try to say, try to say what Mandy the movie. Yes, I. uh, um, Yep. Shout out to Cheddar Goblin. Love. love (laughs) Um, No, try to try to keep it. uh, So I am unbiased. You know, anyone can just throw me money and sway my. That's way my opinion. Um, I have no alliances as as it stands. Um, yeah, but um, no, uh, I'm 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 good. Uh, Flow Grappling hires me, so shout outs to Flow Grappling. They're awesome. Very cool. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I hope oh, everything like, everyone makes like it through you. the pandemic. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, we uh, we like you too, John. We really appreciate you coming <laughs> down and uh, doing uh, all the commentary and stuff. Um, but uh, if, if you do want to subscribe to my YouTube page, BJJ Breakdown, youtube.com slash BJJ Breakdown. You can also follow me on Instagram. Instagram, it's just BJJ Breakdown Instagram page. Um, I will be with that new project pretty soon, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So I will keep updates posted on those two uh, avenues. And um, yeah. Hopefully that turns out pretty well, and hopefully you guys are a part of it too. I'm gonna come down yeah, there. Awesome. We're down. Yeah, you should. Open guard We're... cast, get together and train and and uh, chill for a couple of days or something. That'd I'm down. Yeah, I would love to really down. Okay. Yeah. Let's make it happen. All right, cool. It's happening. You heard it here first. It's an open guard cast guarantee. Uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we would like to thank Agro Brand, High Tier Photography, Chill Fit Cryo, Break New Ground. Use my discount code Jake Watson for 10% off. That's capital J, capital W, no spaces. 10% off looking moderately le- uh, more attractive than me. Don't get carried away. Also, Electrum Performance. If you want to get thick, mean, lean, swole, you want to look like you just appeared off the set of Baywatch, but you're effective like you just came off the set of a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. You can use our <laughs> discount code OpenGuardCast25. I love how John is like really analyzing everything. It's <laughs> like, yeah. But, uh, like, like, that <laughs> speaks to me. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, Alex Sterner will speak to you and tell you what to lift like, like how to do it. And then you're going to go, oh man, I'm getting stronger. And he's going to go, 
uh, yeah, well, scientifically. And then he's going to be all cool. You know, he's going to do his thing. And you guys are going to be able to get thick, mean, lean, and swole. That is the trademark caption of election performance. I said it. Um, but yeah, thank you to, so much to all of our sponsors, Maracaba BJJ and Mar- Marcio Andre Academy. We love you. Um, be sure to follow John at BJJ Breakdown, like he said, all lowercase, no spaces on Instagram and his YouTube channel where he's going to be doing some sick work uh, with us and also by himself. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. You see that, dude? I'm like an auctioneer. <laughs> I like that. It's good. Well, Danny, if you have nothing else to say, then why don't you take us out of here? All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This was episode 47 with John Evans. And be sure to follow him at BGJ Breakdown. And we'll see you guys soon.